0: Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern six to nine Pacific on Fox sports radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio radio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick show. You are listening to the Dan Patrick show on Fox sports radio.
3: What up? Good morning to you. Dan Patrick show. Happy Friday, a football Friday. And, um, I believe we are seven sleeps away from college football. Is that right?
4: Yeah, we so.
3: I mean, with Bucky Brooks, I'm Doug Gottlieb. Bucky, of course, a uh, uh, high school head coach here in Southern California. He's got his first game at three thirty today. I kind of, I, I, I'm not sure I necessarily like playing at three thirty, but I <laughs> like being, I like the idea of being done at six. <laughs> it's, it's,
4: it's odd for sure. It's odd to play a high school game at three when you We're so used to what they call Friday night lights. Yes. Seven
3: o'clock, seven thirty starts. The lights. This would be different, but uh, it'd be a good experience. It'd be a good experience. It'll be nice and warm. Be toasty. Don't the guys. Don't have to get warmed up. Right? But you, <laughs> you definitely got to you got to manage conditioning a little bit. <laughs> you got to manage conditioning. You got to hydrate. Yep. You got to make sure to hydrate. But yeah, it's a different. It's a different challenge for sure. Especially those the, those big boys. Um, we've got a lot into the Deshaun Watson thing. We'll continue to do so. Michael Lombardi, of course. Uh, A longtime member of several spectacular front offices. He also uh, has the Lombardi line. He has his own book. He's worked for Belichick. He's worked for Bill Walsh. You name it. He'll join us upcoming in about 15 minutes. Uh, We'll talk some of the Big Ten media deal and what that does for not just college, but I'm interested. Bucky knows the high school recruiting world. How How does that shift a lot of these teams on the West Coast? What does it do to the Big Ten? What does it do to the rest of the country? Get to that. Zach uh, Zach Jackson's going to join us next hour. He covers the Browns for the Athletic as we try and figure out all the reaction to the Deshaun Watson news and the press conference and all the comments and how they're feeling in, in Cleveland. Plus we got some Kenny Pickett stuff for you. L- let me start with this though. Bucky um Baker Mayfield appears to he's going to be the starter week 1 for the Carolina Panthers. You and I were just talking off air like mm-hmm. man Sam Darnold I just I just thought he was going to be a dude and I do understand at both of us as former athletes, right? You understand what confidence or lack thereof can do. It makes you a shell of the player you used to be. But you even go back to Week Three last season when he had Christian McCaffrey. Like mm-hmm. people are like, "Wow, Sam Donald, he's bounced back." What happened?
4: Like it's 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 one of the more baffling deals. And here's the thing that's so difficult about evaluating players coming out of college: you just don't know what their pro environment is going to be. Coaching staff, supporting cast around them, uh, how they act going from one league to the next, meaning going from the college game to the next level, playing in the pro game, because it's all different. For Sam Donald, he certainly was talented. I liken him to more of a, in basketball terms, more of a scorer than a shooter. I didn't think his game was pure in terms of like the way that he passed and all that, but everybody loved who he was as a person. He had great leadership skills and intangibles, and still, He's regarded as a great worker and guy in the locker room. On the field, it just hasn't resonated. And I think what happens is you have a guy like Baker Mayfield who comes in there who has always been at his best when he's been challenged and when he's had to kind of scratch and claw and find a way to get ahead. And now he has a situation where he's competing with Sam Donald. And I just think that confidence that Baker has, I think the team feels that. And if Sam has any insecurities to kind of manifest itself, I think it just makes it very very difficult for the head coach to go with the guy who is questionable and shaky as opposed to the guy who is confident even though their skills
3: may be comparable all right I'm gonna I'm gonna liken myself to Baker Mayfield in a in a, in a probably to some people disrespectful way but whatever so I left Notre Dame if you haven't followed on Twitter mm-hmm. I did something bad like almost 30 years ago and people still think that that's still me today. talk about it. yeah that's right but when I left Notre Dame, and it wasn't their fault, like they didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. but w- one of my final schools was Marquette. Oh, and nice. one of the reasons I love Marquette, Mike Dean was the coach, who's a he my kind of crazy person. Mm-hmm. I love Dino, but it was that they played Notre Dame every year. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you wanted to get some? Hell yeah! I you want to get some? Like, <laughs> like I was, I was hoping Baron Davis wouldn't go to UCLA because maybe I'd go to UCLA because they played Notre Dame every year. Right? And they were better, but I was like, man, Marquette, like. And we could we could go and beat Notre Dame every year. Yeah. And just you stick know. it to him. Yeah. Yes. 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 His first game is against the Browns, mm-hmm. who drafted number one overall. Yeah. Picked up his fifth year option. And then's like, eh, you know what? We we like we Deshaun better. Watson better. We'll give Deshaun Watson, sight unseen, knowing that a suspension's coming, the biggest contract fully guaranteed in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. So he obviously feels shunned. Um, I I do. You you mentioned he's at his best right, when he's challenged. Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll be at his best uh, a couple Sundays from now? Oh, he be on he'll be on ten. He might be on eleven. Facing this can you imagine he's that on, guy? Because that, that guy's that guy's he's almost like Latimer in uh, <laughs> uh, what uh, what uh, what, uh, what football movie is that with uh, the program, right? Yes, right? yes. Spot, yes. At the, spot at the table, yeah. first team defense.
4: Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be him. He's gonna be he's gonna be lights out. The thing with Baker is, and I think this is what his his, his next team, it may be the Panthers. What they have to channel is. Baker Mayfield is always at his best when he's back into a corner, he has to prove himself. The issue happens with Baker is when, not necessarily when he gets comfortable, when he doesn't necessarily have that immediate thing, that immediate challenge that makes him go up a notch. Because right now, man, by all accounts, like Robbie Anderson and those guys who were like, I don't know, are now talking about, oh, man, we feed off his energy and his confidence and this. And so, Baker's gonna play well, and he's gonna end up playing well against the Browns because that's what he does. Like we all, as competitive athletes, love, man, we love to do the "I told you so" thing. Mm-hmm. And so he is gonna he's he's gonna probably play his best game of the season against the Browns. And so we'll see. But this is a fascinating thing that Baker Mayfield in three and a half weeks can come and snatch Sam Darnold's job. That is something that I know we talk about. A, he had inside track because they traded for him, but to get. Traded for July six, and to be the starter in the first preseason game, Doug. That's unprecedented. That's unprecedented in a true quarterback competition.
3: Yeah, that to me is is mind blowing. It, it is mind blowing. But I also would tell you that if it doesn't work, it, it part of it is you understand why Matt Rule might be out of a job, right? Where he's yeah. he's kind of he's grasping at straws to try and save this thing. And Baker, Baker is a guy who he does, he's charismatic, he walks into a room, mm-hmm. he takes over the room, whereas Sam has a kind of cool, kind of cool, calm demeanor, kind of quiet and thoughtful, uh, you know, but but ba- Baker's definitely takes the air out of a room. Mm-hmm. My thing with Baker has always been like, I, I think he's got all those things, I just don't know if he has the talent, right, because... Every everyone Yeah, I didn't think
4: I I agree with you. I didn't know what his superpower was. Look, I thought he can be feisty and have the edge and the intangibles and those things. Look, not quite big enough, not quite fast enough. Arm talent is fine, solid, but I didn't think he was A level in any regard. So I always wondered how is he going to overcome his deficiencies? Well, when he's backed into a corner, he has to prove it, his energy intensity and all that stuff, competitiveness. Enables him to overcome it, man.
3: Is that sustainable? I, mean, I don't. Worked. I don't think so. Yeah. See, I think that's again. I I think that's what happened last year. You know, you and I have talked about like you just you can't fool players right yeah. at that at yeah. that at that level. You can't fool them if you don't have it. It doesn't matter how much you yeah. act like you got it. Yeah, if you, you ain't got it, him. you got to have it. That's the only explanation for how he lost that locker room in Cleveland. Yeah, is that he? There's certain things he couldn't do. Now, could he not do those things because his left shoulder was injured? I don't know. But mm-hmm. there were things that he couldn't do, and that seems to be why he lost that locker room. Yeah, you lose the locker room when you do it. And mm-hmm. also, like, whatever happened with
4: him and Odell and maybe him and Jarvis Landry, when you have guys who are respected throughout the league as dudes mm-hmm. and it doesn't work, it ended up looking bad, making him look bad that he couldn't figure it out, especially when Odell goes to the Rams and has success with Matthew Stafford. immediately. Yeah, and so that didn't help his, his cause. But now, you look, you get a clean slate. And sometimes going to a new environment, dealing with new players, different players, new system, he's able to kind of rebuild and repair his career. And by all accounts, he's done a great job in camp. And it certainly looks like he's going to be the QB1 when the Panthers play the Cleveland Browns.
3: Yeah, QB1. and which makes that game. Did, did you ever think you that a Carolina-Cleveland Week 1 game <laughs> would be a, man, I can't wait to see that game. But as you pointed out... The NFL does it better than anybody else. Oh, that just happens to be the first game of the season. Look what what just happened! That's amazing. How'd that happen? Just fell into it. Oh, just uh, just naturally. (laughs) It's so crazy. That just that just uh, that that fell into. That's going to be a remarkable thing. Um, Did you watch last night uh, with 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 the Bears statistically dominating the Seahawks?
4: I did, and I got a chance to see it. I'm really excited. Like there are a lot of people that are down on the Bears, and I know preseason stuff doesn't matter. But I'm just really excited about Justin Fields playing in an offense that I believe is more catered to his skill set. And so when I look at Justin Fields playing in another Shanahan like system that does a lot of what we call stretch bootleg, so running game to the front side, bootleg to the backside, it's really easy for the quarterback. And we saw he goes five for seven. The yards per attempt were not quite where you like it, but what you saw was like just solid, steady consistent play from him. And if he continues to give you that, he'll be fine. They need to upgrade the weapons, but right
3: now it's working and I think they'll end up being okay. It's going to be an interesting challenge for him because this is a GM that didn't draft him, okay, a coach that didn't draft him, and the the previous GM and previous coach and previous director player personnel that did like him, um, They, it's not like, like you point out, they didn't leave him a ton of, of weapons, so you really got to see it even if the results aren't what you want them to be, right like there's nobody in that offense that really really scares you nobody
4: he's the one that scares you right. so if he is able to do anything with this this group, the new regime will feel great about him now and it's tricky because it's not necessarily Fred him that you're asking him to do a lot yeah, but I mean when you're a high pick and you land wherever you land, you got to kind of figure it out and so. He has to figure it out despite his circumstances.
3: Arm yourself with the best defense for hunger. A Traeger drill, Traeger set it and forget it convenience, means you can actually watch the game, not the grill. Check out Traeger.com slash DP show to start saving. And remember to use the code DP show to get free shipping. All right, uh, longtime NFL exec Mike Lombardi is going to join us upcoming next. He thinks the Browns should bring in Jimmy G right now. We'll find out why. That's upcoming next. But first, we all have different ideas about success. We achieve it in different times, in different ways. Now, if you've recently changed jobs or you're considering retirement, you're probably thinking about your own version of success and striving to reach your goals. Maybe it's time to start thinking about your investment portfolio and retirement accounts. Retirement's a huge step. When it comes to investing for retirement, most people can't afford to make mistakes and you shouldn't have to do it alone. For over 130 years, Stiefel Financial Advisors have helped clients like you create personalized retirement plans, understand the many options for claiming Social Security, and implement an investment portfolio designed around your needs. And that's just the beginning. As a client, you have access to Stiefel's uh, uh, award-winning equity research and investment strategy views, enabling you to make informed decisions regarding your hard-earned wealth. Invest in your success. Find a Stiefel financial advisor at stiefel.com. That's spelled dot lcom Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated, members SIPC and NYSE.
0: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
6: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Doug Gottlieb, Bucky Brooks in for Dan, the Danette Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio. So he mentioned that uh, Bucky's a high school coach locally in Southern California. Mm-hmm. How do you know? When do you know if your team is ready to play? Is that that magic level? Like you kick off at three <laughs> thirty, do you know at three? Do you know at three fifteen? Do you know at three thirty? Or does it take you till 3:40? Like, uh, <laughs> three thirty five, three forty? Like three, like like middle, you're middle middle of the first quarter. Middle of the first
4: quarter is when you know. Okay, either we're good or we're not. But you never know because, like, and it's it's the hardest thing because you know as a player because you coach like. You want them to be ready. You want them to be locked in on the bus. You want them locked in and walk through. You want them locked yeah. in from warmups and and they're goofing around and they're taking pictures and they have they want to put their shades on. You are like lock in and focus. You sound like the old school coach. Yeah. But then sometimes they're like that. You kick it off and they play great. Right. Other it, times they're locked in and focused and
3: they they, they suck. So you just don't. And, you and just every, don't and every know. Group, and every group's different. <laughs> every, group every group's different. Some some different. groups they just they they, they need to be. You know they need they need to not be serious. Some groups is like how they practice, how they walk through is how they play, it, and that's a that's a feeling out process. And you are game. And and f- high school football is so much harder than high school bat. Like high school basketball, you always start out in a tournament. So you're like, yeah. all right, you're bad. All right, we'll change something tomorrow. We'll change something tomorrow, and then we play a tournament. Then we got another tournament next week. We'll figure it out. High school football, like you're into it, and you got like 10, 11 games, and then you got the playoffs. And you trying to you're trying to
4: figure it out the entire time. And so what you try to do is you try and stay level-headed, and not get over your skis when it comes to it. But, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. And you're right. Every group is different. And I think what you said earlier when we were talking about Tom Brady, your team is as your best players are. So if your best players are locked in and focused and those things, they do the right things, then everybody else tends to do that. But if your best player is one of those guys that you're always having to stay on, well, then your team is like that. And so because football is a little different in basketball, in basketball one or two guys can just carry you. You know, if you got better guys, I got better guys, I'm giving the ball to them a guy. But you need the team in football and so you just hope that those guys buy in and they lock in, but you never know until
3: we're well beyond the first kickoff and then you're like, Oh, okay, this is what we gotta do. When you go talk to them, how much of what you say is scripted? And how much of what you say is like I've I've I have i want to hit this, I wanna hit that, like or do you just completely wing it? Uh a little
4: bit, like little things that you wanna that you wanna talk about. I think what's funny is I think I used to talk to the team more when I was assistant, I thought it was big to stand up in front of the team and do whatever. I try not to say a whole lot, Doug. I try, and, I try to save my words for when it really matters. I try, and, look man, it's a player's game. Like, look, we talk about the same things. Like, hey, block, tackle, take care of the ball, run to the ball. Uh, if you don't give it away, you can win games. Just do those things. And then you hope that it works out and you hope that they buy in. But it's a process. And I think the biggest thing that I figured out coaching ball is people talk about the buzzword culture. Yeah, but the environment that you create—if you can create an environment where dudes are
3: committed and accountable, and they have trust with one another—you can win. I, I I complete I completely agree, and 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 that is, you know, it's like I, I used to at times hate practicing as a player, right? Just like, yeah. oh god, <laughs> not today, not today. But if you can create the right environment in practice, right, length of practice, intensity of practice, then you don't have to dial it up for a game. But you got to be cautious. Like, how much do I dial up that intensity in practice? You don't want to leave it on the practice field, right? Yeah. That's that's the other part. Michael Lombardi joins us here, of course, uh, longtime executive in the National Football League. He hosts the Lombardi Line on on Veasan, and uh, he's an author. He's done just about everything. Part of three, uh, he's a three-time Super Bowl-winning NFL executive, and he was NFL Executive of the Year. He joins us with Bucky Brooks. I'm Doug Gottlieb here on the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Michael, what, what was your immediate reaction to the agreement? With this uh, Deshaun Watson suspension,
7: you know it, it's. I thought it was right in the worst spot it could be for the Browns as they build their future. You know, look, the Watson case. That's you know that's something that you know we've talked about at length. But for me, from a football standpoint, and strictly this is all I'm talking about here, is 11 games is is really right in the hard spot because. As Bucky knows, haven't played, you know, haven't played. It's hard for a guy to not play and then all of a sudden become magical. And so the fact that he'll come back week 12 doesn't mean he comes back as the player we remember. He comes back as a guy trying to get his game going again. And it may take him two weeks, it may take him three weeks. And what happens if the Browns are good? Do you make that substitution? You know, do you go with, you automatically go with Watson and sit, try to see him go through it? To me, you know, I, I said this before. Anything over six games, I would trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because it's going to be too hard for Brissett to manage it. And I think that ultimately 11 games is going to be harder for Watson to come back and have any continuity and any success immediately.
4: Michael, I want to give you your flowers. One, I think the work that you have done since we last were together, NFL Network, has been amazing in terms of how you're helping coaches with the daily coach, uh, gridiron genius, all this stuff is outstanding. Um, Thank So, you, Bucky. yeah, like, it's, it's really awesome. You
7: know, Bucky was, you know, hey, Doug, you got to remember now, Bucky was the pride of Al Davis now. <laughs> Bucky, Bucky could run. Uh, he could run, you know. I couldn't play, but I could run. I could Bucky play, could run, <laughs> and, and we were going to play Bucky at every position known to mankind. I mean, Bucky would Bucky would have been great in the Princeton offense, where Petey Corral would have played him everywhere. You know, he could run. I appreciate you saying that, Bucky. The, the daily coach has been a, has been a source of uh, of great pride for Coach Ravling and myself to help other coaches and. You know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you.
4: Yeah, that's cool. I got to tell you, one of my former players, Kamadi Ramsey, is one of the guys that used to help with you guys, I know, when you started out. So amazing. I, yeah, so I want to say that.
7: He's the greatest writer of all time, but Kamadi is the wordsmith of all time. He's amazing.
4: <laughs> so, and, and thinking about your experience as a front office, so now what do you do with Deshaun Watson? Like, he can't be around the facility. If you could build out a plan for him, what would you advise him to do to get ready so he can be at his best when he returns?
7: That's a hard thing to do because, you know, everything with a quarterback is timing. Look, Aaron Rodgers is complaining about his receivers because he doesn't have enough experience with them. And, 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 you know, you remember going to Colt games and uh, you've seen Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. Guys have played forever. You know, they're out there pregame two hours before working on their routes, working on their adjustments. Playing receiver with the quarterback, it it takes time. And when you don't have that timing, you know, why is Cooper Cup so good? Why did Cooper Cup get 81 first downs last year in the NFL when everybody knew he was getting the ball? Because he and Stafford have such symmetry together. And I think that's hard to duplicate for Deshaun Watson. So I I think to me what I would tell Watson is I think you got to get back – and you've got to restore your name. You've got to try to do things to help other people, to help, the, to, to help show that you are a good person, that the person that everybody thought at Clemson isn't this person today. I think you've got to work on your character. You've got to work on the things that you've got to give back to the community. I think that's really important, one. Two, I don't know how he's going to get better at football when the timing of who he's going to practice against isn't going to be there. It's a challenge. It really is. You know, I'm sure they're going to send him the game plans. I'm sure they're going to make sure he's watching tape all those things, but nothing's, you know, Allen Iverson talked about practice, but football, you need practice, and you need practice with the guys you're going to play with.
3: No question. Um, Which brings us to another quarterback who's slightly more accomplished than Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady. Yesterday, Todd Bowles said, he he basically said he doesn't know when he's going to return, right? thinks it could be Monday, but doesn't know it's going to be Monday. We're told this was pre-planned, fine. But for Tom Brady, a guy who is... An absolute fiend for preparation. He's lost a couple offensive linemen. He's lost his longtime tight end. His best wide receiver is not healthy. How do you think this affects the Buccaneers season?
7: Well, I'll tell you this. I'm going to do a plug. VEASAN has, we have a great betting guide going out. This will come out next week. And all that is questions that get answered in the guide. If you want to learn about these teams, it's tremendous. But I don't know how Tom's going to do it. I think it was pre-planned because I think it was really important that that it leaked out or it was told that it wasn't about his mom. My initial reaction was, "Oh, maybe something's wrong with his mom, and he needs yeah, me to go too. help her." Yeah, you know. And I'm I'm so thankful that that's not the case. Look, you know, Tom's in a relation, a married man. He's got kids. Maybe they planned this vacation. Now I can't imagine Tom can go on vacation without getting TMZ showing pictures of him riding the rides at Disney. But I, obviously, this is something that was pre-planned. I'm sure they know when he's coming back. I think they want to make sure give it a day or two here or there. I fully expect Tom to be working on his game, no matter where he is. Because remember, when he goes to when he goes on vacation, even in March, you know he's got two receivers with him and a bag of balls.
4: <laughs> I mean, does it's, it's funny you bring up balls because deflate gate and that stuff. So I want to go back to the Patriots because there's a lot of consternation and intrigue about what is happening with them in the offensive play caller. Is it Matt Patricia? Is it Joe Judge? You haven't been around the Patriots. How do the Patriots normally handle preseason when it comes to that kind of stuff, getting coaching responsibilities and that for game day?
7: Well, I think they do. Like They, they try to help coaches in preseason as much as they try to develop players, right? So always in the last preseason game, somebody will call the game that's outside the coordinator. You know, for example, you know, that when Josh McDaniels was there, you know, Brian Dayball would call the game when, in the fourth preseason game. Or last year, I think my son Mick actually called the, the, the third preseason game while Josh worked on the opponent, you know, the next opponent. So there's always a development end to this. Look, I think what, what people don't understand is everything that happens inside that building is coordinated through the head coach. He's not a guy who's just standing on the sidelines watching the game. You know, he's putting, he's going through the offensive game plan with the offensive staff. He's going through the defensive game plan with the defensive staff. So calls that are made during the game have pretty much been predetermined. If, you, if I could ever give the Hall of Fame anything, I wish I could give them Bill Belichick's pre-game, pre-night meeting, Saturday night before the game when he has the entire coaching staff in the room and he goes over how the game is going to go tomorrow. And he would say to Josh McDaniels, look, Josh, on the first third down call, I want this and this. You know, Matt Patricia on defense, you know, first third down call, I think we should do this. I want to start the game off this way because everybody understands it. So we make such a big deal of who the play caller is because we become a league of subcontractors. You know, Kellen Moore runs the offense in Dallas. Poor Mike McCarthy walks around with a sheet in his hand, you know, and Dan Quinn runs the defense. You know, and so Matt Eberflus just stands there and watches two coaches coach. That doesn't happen in New England.
3: You, you mentioned Mike McCarthy. Uh, this is obviously a year where people think he's got to win and it's got to get cleaned up in terms of the penalties they didn't in the preseason game. In terms of end-of-game execution, obviously we're not there yet. They have a lot of injuries to their wide receivers. Offensive line appears to have aged some. Same thing with Ezekiel Elliott. Do the Cowboys have it to win that division?
7: I think it's going to be hard. Look, I think they've got to get better on offense. I think the problem with Dallas has been, look, everybody talks about Kellen Moore going to become – Kellen Moore, it calls plays. But there's an element of you've got to be able to run an offense that's complementary to the game that's going on. And so I don't think the three areas, special teams, offense, and defense, get tied together in Dallas. And then there's an old saying, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. When you have too many penalties in games, then you're allowing it to happen. You know, you've got to stop it. You've got to handle it. And Mike won a Super Bowl calling offensive plays in Green Bay. It's remarkable to me that he just stands there and watches Kellen Moore as the head coach run the offense. When they don't really run away to where they don't adjust during the game, it's pretty clear. So, for me, I think it's going to be hard. I think Pollard moving into the slot may be a really good idea. This is a really good player. You know, this next book that I finished, I I ranked the top 100 players. And when I watched Gail Sayers run – it, it, to, to study for the book, uh, Tony Pollard and Gail Sayers run very similar. They're very, they're very, t- I mean, he's so talented. They've got to keep him on the field all the time. I think CD lamb will be really good. If they get Gallup back, that's great. The concern you have with Dallas is the left tackle. Can Smith stay healthy, you know? And then the guard they drafted from Tulsa has a propensity to hold, you know, and either you put mittens on them or you don't play them because it, once you get a holding penalty as offensive football team, you're going to step back. So, I think it's going to be a hard year for Dallas. I really do. I think this Eagle team has improved greatly. I don't know if Jalen Hurts improved greatly, but the team around them has.
4: You know, Mike, I I hear you always talk about um, on your podcast, the GM Shuffle, which is a great listen. I hear you all the time talk about pad level and conditioning. So when we're Mm -hmm. looking at preseason games, um, what are you looking for as you're thinking about building your team for the season, for the marathon? What are the things that should be important to watch in preseason?
7: I think pad level is so important because you don't practice during the season. You get one practice a week. You have to – people say, what is pad level? Pad level is your ability to control the line of scrimmage. Football is still a game in the trenches. No matter how much we want to draft receivers in the first round, football is a game that's determined by offensive and defensive linemen who controls the line. And pad level goes a long way with that. And if you don't coach pad level in August, you can't get it back in November. So I'm always looking at that. The other thing I'm looking at is running backs, right? We don't practice running backs in preseason. But when you get to that first game and you've given a back-to-ball 20 times, can he hold up during that time? Is he not exhausted? And then conditioning. Look, here's the problem. Last year I thought the Eagles were one of the worst conditioned teams in the month of September. You know, Fletcher Cox would go two plays and have to come out. You know, when you're playing in a game in September, the heat, humidity in the East is a problem. Plus, you've got to be ready for the fourth quarter. You've got to be ready for the fourth quarter. And it's like boxing. If you don't spar so many rounds – in the, before the fight, you're not going to last the end of the fight. So that's what I'm always looking for. And I'm looking for level of comp against a player. Like last night, Geno Smith didn't play well against the backups for the Bears. That's got to worry you tremendously.
3: Michael Lombardi, our guest here on the Dan Patrick Show. With Bucky Brooks, I'm Doug Gottlieb. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs have been the dominant team in the AFC for the past half decade. But, but that team's going to change, right? Because every team that prepped for them with the exception of the Raiders played two high safeties for fear of Tyreek Hill getting loose. Tyreek Hill is no longer a member of the Chiefs, and now they're starting to have some injuries to some of the replacements for Tyreek Hill. How do you think the Chiefs look when they play real games this year?
7: You know, just to the first preseason game, Doug, I thought they really went back to Andy Reid's West Coast roots. I mean, you know, when they had Alex Smith and Andy first got there in 13, they were West Coast college. They were Alex Smith's Utah offense. And then when they got Mahomes in there, they transferred. With Tyreek Hill, they became this down-the-field, you know, different version of the West Coast. But what I saw in the first preseason game was more of, of what Andy did in Philadelphia. And I think he understands that he doesn't have anybody to clear it up. I think the bigger concern, if I'm Travis Kelsey, I'm worried. Because Travis Kelsey never was able all – the, all the coverage went over to Hill. It went over to Hill. You know, we're going to roll to Hill. We're going to get to Hill. Kelsey kind of away from the three by one had a pretty good f- a chance to get open against guys that can't cover him. I think that's going to affect it. And I think Andy knows that. Andy's such a good offensive coach that he can adapt his offense. And he had an offseason to do it. And I think that's what's going- what you're going to see. I think they're going to go back to his West Coast roots more and adapt to within fits of personnel that he has. Look, you can't replace Hill. I don't know why they traded him. To me, he was, the, he was the straw that stirred the drink there because they, they didn't, people didn't play two high safeties. They played two really high safeties. Like, they were not allowing – this guy only averaged 11.9 yards a catch because everybody was scared to death of him.
4: You know, Michael, I feel like you've been one of the guys who has been a Lamar Jackson fan, but you've also had maybe a vision for how he could play as he ages in this league. Can you just talk a little bit about how you would envision a perfect offense for Lamar Jackson in this league based on what you saw from him, not only since he's been in the league, but what you saw from him when he was at Louisville?
7: Well, my son was at Louisville, so I watched every Louisville game. He was coaching the tight ends at Louisville. So I kind of knew Louisville's program. And Lamar was under center quite a bit with Bobby Petrino. I think we have this notion that we got to put players in shotgun all the time. And I think if he's under center, he's more dangerous. Now, the only play in football, the only play in football where the quarterback blocks somebody is the boot or the naked. Because somebody's got to run out there with them, right? And if you're Lamar Jackson and you fake a handoff and you boot out – That guy who's running out there with him ain't going to catch him. And so now all of a sudden it opens up the field. You can throw the ball down the field. Lamar's struggles have been throwing the ball outside the numbers, down the field vertically. Mark Andrews makes a ton of catches inside the hash marks or inside the numbers actually. And so for me, what I would run with Lamar would be the Kyle Shanahan offense, boots, nakeds, you know, movement plays, get him outside. He can throw the ball. He was one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in the middle of the field, down the field. Bobby Petrino would open up a lot of games at Louisville with a deep post or a deep over. And he would face mask the throw, which meant he put the ball into the receiver's face mask. It was really brilliant, and that's what I would run. But I think what's happened to them is Baltimore's gotten into way too much RPO stuff. I don't think he's an RPO quarterback. I think he's a play-action-pass quarterback. Now, in the first preseason game, watching their tape with Huntley at quarterback, they looked like they were going to be under center a little bit more. I think that's the key. If they do that with their offense and the way he looks, Bucky, you saw the pictures of him, and he yeah. looks like a linebacker. Yeah,
4: he's, He looks like a
7: linebacker. Size. You know, Bill Walsh used to say to me all the time when I would get on bus one, and sit behind him, and he was doodling the single wing plays in his, with his little notepad up front. He said, You know, if I could ever got, if Joe Montana could hold up running the single wing, he would have been tremendous. Same thing with Lamar. Yeah. He could be the greatest single wing quarterback ever.
3: Isn't that what they're running?
7: Well, they, they're not really running it because he's not under center. Isn't
3: single wing from the shotgun?
7: It is, but I mean, their plays, the motion, all the stuff that they do the way he handles it. You got to be able to run play action. Yeah. You got to be able to fake the handoff. You got to get him out on the perimeter. You got to make somebody run with him. And, and you, and what happens when you run boots, the backside, why do you think the running game in a bootleg action is so effective? Because right. the backside vacates.
3: Right. It's, you know, we it's to, 11 we, on 11 football. It's, it's much more right, 11 well, on 11.
7: Yeah, exactly.
3: Michael Lombardi joining us. Uh, Michael, I, I, I want to ask you about, about two other teams. Um, I watched the Chargers several times. They scrimmaged the Cowboys. They were better yesterday. Weren't as good the the day before. But the Chargers feel like they have the talent and they've shored up offensive line, some of the run game stuff. Brandon Staley's second year as head coach, you would think can only get better. Are you a buyer into the Chargers, a team who, despite no matter who they have at coach, it feels like they lose one or two that they shouldn't lose during a season?
7: Well, look, last year what I worried about is when your head coach is a specialist in one area and that area is really pathetic. They were terrible on defense last year, and they've got really good players. They got a Pro Bowl player at safety, they got a Pro Bowl player in the defensive line, and they had you know now they signed J.C. Jackson. I mean, this is a more talented team. The reason he went for it so much on fourth down, according to what he told people, was because he didn't trust his defense. Now he's got to improve his defense. You know, because those same players were on the field. I know he's added J.C. Jackson, but they've got to get better. They couldn't stop the run last year at all. They struggled. So I think Herbert's great. I think they've got to diversify a little bit more offensively. You know, I think losing Melvin, I think losing a big back, I think they need somebody with Eckler because I think Eckler's great, right? But I think you need another, you need a one-two combination. Maybe they'll have it. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But I I think ultimately they're going to have to find a way to win close games. And that's something they couldn't do last year. And he's got to manage games better. I know he makes the analytical community happy because he goes for it on fourth down. But there's a difference between being aggressive and being stupid. And I think sometimes he was just not smart in right. those decisions.
3: I'm right. going for it on your own 19-yard line against the Raiders. Speaking of the Raiders, okay, you have a new coach um, who obviously has done amazing things as an offensive coordinator. Not, as, not when he was a head coach in Denver and then you bring in Devontae Adams in any conversation of the best wide receiver in the league, but there's so much change with the Raiders. Even if they're more talented at certain spots, will they be as good as they were last year?
7: Well, full disclosure, my son's the offensive coordinator, so my heart's in full time with the Raiders. I'm a Raider once again, so I'll say this with tainted glasses. But the fact is that if they can get Waller back, You know, they were one of the worst red zone teams in football last year, and they had Darren Waller. He only played in 11 games. He caught two touchdown passes. Darren Waller, away from the three-by-one with Hunter Renfro in there. Hunter Renfro was 81% the time they threw the ball. This is an important stat in football. How many times you're a target and how many catches you make? He was 81% last year, one of the highest in the league. So Renfro's really good. He converted 43 first downs. And with, with Devontae Adams on the outside, the coverage is getting rolled. That means Waller's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to have a great year. I think the key for the Raiders is if they can play from in front, if they can get the lead, if they can play the Bill Walsh theory of West Coast, which is be get the lead at halftime and let Chandler Jones and Max Crosby rush and really be disruptive in that, they have a chance to be. It's a tough competition. They play great quarterbacks, but they're set up to play quarterbacks because of Crosby and Jones. I think, and the one thing different between Andy Reid and Josh McDaniels is Josh McDaniels will run the ball. Andy got bored with running. But yeah. those high safeties, you know, Andy would give up on a five. You know, at the five-yard gains kind of bothered Andy. You know, he didn't want to play $5 blackjack. He wanted to play $50 blackjack. So, you know, but but Josh will run the ball more. I think if Jacobs could stay healthy or whoever the back will be, I think that's key. They've got to control the pace of the game. And look, let's face it, they have one of the best field goal kickers in football. That's why they won so many close games. And why did the Bengals get to the Super Bowl last year? Why did the Bengals almost win a Super Bowl? Because the McPherson was 14 for 14 in the playoffs.
3: Sure, sure. Awesome stuff as always. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Uh, Appreciate it. Go, go ahead. Uh, the, the,
7: no, just thanks to have me. I appreciate you, and I just want to mention V-SIN and check out the the betting guide.
3: Yeah, it's uh, you can go to Vincen, v i s i n dot com slash subscribe, and you can get a copy of that betters guide that'll be available on the twenty fifth of August. And of course, Michael Lombardi hosts the Lombardi line on Vincen. That's v s i n. Okay, coming up next uh, here on the Dan Patrick Show. Ooh, ooh, I like. I like I like this independent uh, intelligence runs in the family. Innovation runs in the family. Extraordinary runs in the family. The 2022 Mercedes Benz range of SUVs. Every member is waiting to impress. Learn more at MBUSA.com. What does the massive new media deal mean for recruiting? That's for the Big Ten, but also for the rest of college football. That's next.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at Fox dot com.
6: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you
3: get your podcasts. Bucky Brooks, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan the Danettes. The boys are back on Monday. Tom Brady, we don't know if he's back on Monday. <laughs> Dan Patrick, we do know he's back he's back on Monday. Um there's the new Big 10 deal was announced made official yesterday. So the Big 10 is going to be uh is going to be split three networks. Uh Fox obviously and Fox Sports 1, NBC, Peacock also will get get some as well. And um and CBS will get the main game um you know to fill where they lose the SEC. So Bucky like you're well, what I love about you is you're all about football, all about ball, from Elite 11, high school level, all the way up to the pros. How do you think this affects um, college recruiting specifically? I mean, it, it look, it
4: affects it a ton because re- recruiting is so crazy now with NIL deals and, and TV and being able to see Uh, Your people play but but now everyone wants to be visible Everyone wants to be in the marquee games because now the marquee games lead to more money when it comes to NIL stuff So you want to play marquee games see everybody watch you play against the best competition so you can build the reputation and the legacy So it's huge. I think it'll continue to be bigger and bigger and bigger as it expands out Uh, I think everyone is paying close attention to how these things play out and where you can be seen
3: I think so, too. I think it's going to be interesting. Obviously, NBC back being a player, they still Mm -hmm. have Notre Dame. Now they have the Big Ten as well. Obviously, there's room in there for expansion if Notre Dame was to join the Big Ten. I think, honestly, the the deal... Becomes a huge win for Notre Dame is in their desire to stay independent, right? Where they can yeah. play the top level ACC schools, play a couple of national schools, play big Ten, Big Ten schools, and still kind of have their own sort of quasi. I think. I think actually the the news should be the NBC. You have two games. You have two games on a Saturday, that changed the dynamic of your TV viewing. Yes. Um, obviously, the other teams in the Pac-10 seem to be left in the dust. What happens to the Big Twelve is interesting as well. But I, I, it's going to be fascinating to me because the SEC is absolutely loaded and that is where most of the players are. But there's a lot of skill position players in California who now I think the Big Ten can come in and recruit. Absolutely. And it's not just the – look, it used to just be like, hey, Michigan could come in, Ohio
4: State can come in. Well, now you have a blueprint where – Iowa and Wisconsin might be able to come in because
3: now, look, they're going to play a couple games in California, so I think it works out well for the Big Ten. I think think it, it. I think, I don't think UCLA will ever necessarily win mm-hmm. in the league, but it's a win for UCLA from this standpoint. The money that you make, and I had a, a really powerful AD tell me this a couple weeks ago. Everybody talks about the TV money. It's kind of a wash because you got to upgrade mm-hmm. your facilities. you got to pay all the coaches. The travel's more expensive. The real money is made in the stadium. Yeah. In those seven home games, and you know, for for UCLA, filling up the Rose Bowl has always been a challenge. Yeah, it will never be a challenge anymore. Now they, it'll be like the Chargers, where they may not be playing home, home games, games even home. though they're at home. Yeah. It's an hour from their campus. It's hard to get students there. But even when Indiana and Purdue, Minnesota, the it's vacation, are, mini vacation for it's those It's a fans. mini vacation. Plus, you have a, enough alums out here to fill up 25,000 seats, yeah. which ma- it, it'll make it a thing. So I, I think it really helps UCLA fill up their coffers, which helps their Olympic sports. The challenge is going to be all of that travel. And then the challenge, and, and then the other way that UCLA has to, I think, recruit is to what USC is doing, which is they're going to lose players to the Midwest, to the Southeast, but now you can bounce back recruit. You can yeah. recruit out of the portal. Yes. And the question will be, will they get the NIL that that the big boys in the SEC have to get those kids home? That would be the challenge, particularly for a school like UCLA.
4: But, yeah, like you're already seeing that Chip Kelly's beginning to live in the portal sure. and get some of these grad transfers and other stuff. And it's helped them because they're a very mature team, which has helped them get to
3: seven and eight wins. But it's hard to establish a culture in that in that one year. Arm yourself with the best defense for hunger, Traeger Grill. Traeger said it and forget it. Convenience means you actually watch the game, not the grill. Check out Traeger.com slash DP show. Start saving and remember to use the code DP show to get free shipping. All right, coming up next, we have boots on the ground in Cleveland. They give us a reaction to Deshaun Watson and the settlement. We got that to get to. Um, we got some Kenny Pickett news with you for the uh, in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers and who they're going to start at quarterback. Plus, we're going to have uh, put Bucky to the test of the new Thursday Night Football theme song. We'll have him be Simon Cow. Does he <laughs> like it, or does it, or is it complete crap? Complete crap. All right, That's upcoming next. It's a football Friday because Bucky's team kicks off in oh, about uh, seven hours here. That's upcoming next on the Dan Patrick Show.
1: And we're going to be right here along with you fans, covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world.
2: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets.